each other. We prayed for each other. God began to speak. And one of the things that was so clear to us was that God was really speaking about this whole issue of drawing closer to him. And that was a theme that we noticed all throughout this week. And so this morning, I want to capsulize, if you will, what God had really shared with us during that time so that we continue to move into what it is that God would expect of us. How do you know that God loves you? God wants what's best for you. There is no greater life than a life that is wrought in Jesus Christ. There is no greater life. Now, this sermon this morning is about not necessarily getting, but giving. How many of you love that word, that sacred, holy word, sacrifice? Somebody said, huh? That word has become sort of a dirty thing, right? In our culture, you know, we talk about, you know, you look at you look around and people are talking about all of the debt issues that we have. And even from our nation and, you know, and and I, and I think about all these things. And, you know, one of the things that, that's so clear to me is that people don't want to sacrifice. I mean, if you want to get out of debt, you're going to have to sacrifice something. Maybe you can't have that cable TV or that direct TV. Maybe you can't have that NFL package that you like, like myself. I couldn't get it this time. I had to sacrifice. And for those who know me, I'm a big sports fan. That's a big sacrifice to me. But, you know, whether it's, it's to get a college education, you know, I want to I get a college education. I want to be a doctor. I mean, no, you got to sacrifice to get that. You're going to have to spend some time studying. You're going to have to burn the midnight oil. You're going to have to stay up late at night. You're going to have to go through all of that in order to get what it is that you want. Well, it is no different in Christian life. Christianity teaches us that sacrifice and worship go hand in hand. There is no way that you can be an authentic worshiper of God and not understand, or to some extent, the concept of sacrifice. The Old Testament folks and the people in biblical days, they understood what sacrifice meant. They meant that it cost something in order to worship God. And every believer that comes to Christ, we don't hear it talked about a whole lot, but it costs you your very life. Jesus said, and we'll talk about it here in a moment, if any man come unto me, he must deny himself. Everything in our world today says, no, no, I don't want to deny myself. I want to enhance myself. I, I want to hold on to, to certain things. And, and we're not willing to give up those things in order to get what we believe is the thing that is most important. How many of you want joy? How many of you want peace? How many of you want contentment? How many of you want a sense of purpose in your life? That you know that I'm called to something great. I thought about that young man as I was preparing for this sermon. You all may have heard about this young man that had committed suicide uh, because someone had caught him in some kind of an act and, and he killed himself. A young man, uh, I think they streamed his activity. And, you know, the first thing that struck me was that that young man killed himself because there was something inside of him 
that he was longing for, that it wasn't being fulfilled in any other way. All of us want, we, 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 we want that, we, we want to know that, you know, that, that, that we want that peace and we want that happiness and we want that joy. But in order to get there, how I many know, you, you, you got you to gotta come to Jesus and you got to be willing to give up your life. It's going to cost you something. This is what Christianity, in essence, is all about. I believe that the reason why many of us from time to time that we, we struggle as it relates to some of the foundational things about our faith is because we're still dealing with the issue of whether or not we want to sacrifice and give our life to Jesus completely and fully. How many know Jesus didn't just come to be a part of our lives? How many know Jesus came to take over our life? How many, would, how many have been driving your life and you realize that you were driving it in a ditch? You were driving your life in a ditch. You, wasn't, you knew you needed something. And, and so many of us, out of our trouble and out of our pain, we sought the Lord because we needed some direction. We needed some help. But in order to experience the fullness of what God has for us, we have to be willing to give everything over to him, to fully surrender our life to him and know that when we surrender to him, that he give us the best life, which what I call is the high life. A life that is rich, a life that is fulfilling, a life that is loaded with purpose. When I first came to Jesus, I can remember I was offended because for so long the devil had tricked me. And he made me think that the best life was the life that I was living outside of God. And that if I really want happiness, I can find it somewhere else other than giving my life to Jesus. And so at the age of 25. I gave my life to Jesus. I'm now 45 now, 20 years ago. And I can remember thinking to myself, man, if I knew this, I would have given my life to Jesus a long time ago. You see, what the enemy does is he make you think that, that what's out here is the best thing for you because he want to keep you blinded. He want to keep you kind of groping and searching. And, and I, don't know about, I don't know if you recognize, but there's a feeling of hopelessness. In our country today, people are not really sure where are we going? What's happening? What's going on here? I tell you what's happening. God is bringing about a shifting so that people will know and begin to turn to him because he is really the only hope of the world. I believe that the church is the hope of the world. You're not going to find it in money. You're not going to find it in relationships. You're not going to find it in your government. The only real hope is found in Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. And so in Romans chapter 12, he says, I present you, therefore, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice. See, they understood what that meant in Old Testament days. They used to sacrifice animals to cover sin. And really, that was really kind of a a type, if you will, of covering someone's sin, but that wasn't in reality what God was ultimately going to do. He brought his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. But how many know that when you, when it speaks there about a living sacrifice, that word sacrifice, let me, let me share this with you for a second. The word sacrifice means a destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else. Now, I know this is not a, 
I know this is not uh, one of those messages that you're going to jump and scream about, but I'm going to preach it anyway because it's what we need. Now, watch this. He's, now, now, and so the sacrifice means to kill. Now, before, how many know that you got a bad side to yourself? <laughs> All of us do. You know, even the best of us, we got issues. Every one of us got issues. But see, when we come to Christ, the Bible says that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. That means that when I come to Christ, that I'm willing to kill my old nature, my old person, everything that I was before Christ. I'm willing to lay that down and I'm willing to take up what he wants me to do. That's what makes it a living sacrifice. So if I used to act one way before I came to Christ then I find out how it is that he want me to respond, and I do it. If the Bible says, for example, that I am to forgive, I have no right as a Christian to walk around and say, I'm not going to forgive you for that. You've got to put that on the altar, and you've got to sacrifice your own nature. You've got to put it there. You've got to lay it on the altar and say, Lord, I know this is tough, but I'm going, I'm going, God, I'm going all the way. I'm going to sacrifice what I want to do. You see, here's the thing, because all of us got big plans, right? We're, we're told to, you know, pull up our bootstraps and do it on our own. But Jesus coming, he says, no, no, I want, you, I want you to get rid of all of that. Amen. I'm talking Christianity. I'm talking what it's really all about. He said, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. But then here's the interesting thing. He says, that's reasonable service. But to some folk, they think, you know, when you try to be right for God and you want to present your body as a living sacrifice, you're too radical. Well, you know, Christianity is radical. There was nothing about Jesus that was passive. Jesus was radical. That's why they got mad and killed him. They were angry because Jesus came on the scene and he started talking stuff. He was like, wait a minute. You, if you want to come to God, you got to come through me. You can't get there no other way. Wait, 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 wait. Who, who are you? We grew up with you on the corner. Who do you think you are, Jesus? Who, who are you? And they were offended because Jesus called them to a higher way of living, which meant that they had to give up their own life in order to take his. Now watch, we're going somewhere with this. A living and holy sacrifice. He says, which is our reasonable service. And he says, don't be conformed to this world. How many know? Now listen, listen to it. Listen very carefully. I know if you read your Bibles, and I hope you do, and I believe you do, and I hope you do. But you know that there's great conflict in what the Bible says and what we see happening in our world today. They're calling stuff all right and good that which God says is wrong and sin. They are challenging us and daring us as believers to stand up and proclaim the truth of God's word. But, you know, the Bible says that we are the light of the world. So that means that as being the lights of the world, the Christians are supposed to lead the way and show people this is the way Walk in it. We're not to be conformed to this world. I know they're saying about all this stuff is right and, and you know, and, they, and they, they're saying, well, it really doesn't matter. It's what everybody want to do. It's not what everybody want to do. It's what God's word says. Right? 
It's what God's word says. If we say we are a Christian, I mean, people, I mean, they said the other day, I saw a survey. They said 80 some percent of people in this country say that they are Christians. That is a high number. Then if that was the case, why are we kicking prayer out of our schools? Why don't we want to even mention God in the courtroom? I mean, why, why is all this perverseness and all this stuff allowed to happen on the TV screen? Why is it okay? You mean, I remember a time when I was when I was a young boy. How many? Some of you may not remember this, but years ago, what's this guy name was uh, Gary Hart. Do you remember that politician? Gary Hart was a Dem- I think he was a, I think he was a Democrat, but he was running for an office, and he was he was one of those highly picked guys that was supposed to win. And he had caught got an affair with some woman named Donna Rice. I don't know if you remember that. And I remember that the minute the people found out the man had committed adultery, oh, whoa, 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 you can't get in office. Oh, and they turned on him quick because they equated your activity with your integrity. And if you ain't faithful on this side, you're not going to run my government because you can't be faithful. We can't trust you with this. But nowadays, it's like people say, well, it's okay to sleep around a little bit and commit, have a little fun because everybody else is doing it. And after all, here's the famous saying, we're only human. What a cop-out. What a cop-out. But how I many know nowadays, it's wild except, I mean, you can, you can act that way, you can live that way, and people will be like, they'll vote you in. Like, go, go, good, it's, it's okay. Why are you judging me? I'm not judging you. The word of God judges you. I, as, listen, as, as people who are believers, you have no authority to degrade the word of God for somebody else's desires that goes contrary to the word of God. So he said, don't be don't conform to this world. Well, watch this. Be transformed by renewing your mind. And what does that word renewing means? The word renewal means to restore your mind back to its original state. It's a change in formalism of thought or being. Renewal of mind includes our, our thoughts, which leads to formulating, our purpose, which proceeds to dictate our actions. Our actions become habits, shaping the life and the settings of the course for our future. So he says we're to be transformed. So as a believer, now the reason why I say this is because you're living in a time right now where they're, they're saying, they're telling you, they're trying to say, would you please do me a favor and keep quiet? Because you are a bigot. You are insensitive. And you're going to have a choice to make. Okay, at that moment, when I know what God's word says, am I going to go ahead and do what his word says, or I'm going to go with the crowd? I got to make a choice. Which one am I going to do? And if I'm really a so-called Christian, you know what Christian means? A follower of Jesus. That's what Christian means. So people can say all day long, I'm a Christian. But are you, are you following Jesus? One of the first things I did when I came into the kingdom, I said, I don't know who I am now because I need to know who this Jesus is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I, so I got I to figure out how am I supposed to live? What, what are Jesus, what are your values? What are the values of the kingdom? What are the values of the kingdom? I, I know this is a deep word, but this word will set you free because it is the key to everything that you want in life. Let me tell you something. I love the Lord with all of my heart. I don't apologize. I have no regrets. 
I am mad because I lived a life for 25 years doing it my own way, thinking that somehow I can find happiness and peace without Jesus. And when I found him, oh, Lord, I said, Lord, forgive me. And, all I, and I said, Lord, for every day that I live, I will proclaim your goodness because I know that this is the best thing for us as a people. And if you notice, our country has taken a sharp turn. And let me tell you why our country is taking a sharp turn. Because we're turning further and further away from God. And when you turn further and further away from God, nothing good is going to come of that. Nothing good is going to come of that. Look at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 27. I'm going to pick this up a little bit. Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 27. Watch this. Now, this is, this is potent stuff. Then he said to them, he said to them all, if anyone, now this is Jesus talking, just, just in case. I want to make sure that we understand that this is not my opinion. Let's just read this and see what it says. Then he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, watch this, let him deny himself. Did anybody have an interpretation problem with that? And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life, watch this, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Now, let's, let's, let's dissect that just a little bit. Deny himself. Deny himself. What does deny himself mean? To give up everything. To give up everything. One of the ways you know you're a believer is when people say to me, well, I'm a Christian, and I say to you, okay, now at what point did your life change? Because when you get saved, when you become a believer, you deny yourself, meaning that whatever, whatever you know, I, I'm, I'm now, I'm, I'm, I'm slave to a master, Jesus. And if you deny, how many know you will know if you deny yourself? Deny yourself means you got to deny your old attitudes, your old nature, the side of you that want to have its way. We all have to deal with it. But we got to put that thing on the altar. And we got to deny ourselves because, watch this, because we want something greater. We want something that we know that will free us. You see, it's coming a day where everyone is going to have to give an account to Jesus. Now, it's not like, you know, it's not like, well, I don't want to, so I ain't coming. No, don't work that way. Everyone, the Bible says, every knee shall bow and every tongue is going to confess that he's Lord, whether you want to or whether you don't. You're going to have to answer. The death ratio, last I checked, is one per person. Everybody's going to get there unless Jesus comes back. So he says, you got, you got to deny yourself. That's what the Lord was speaking to us this week. And take up, his, take up your cross daily. Now, take up, what is the cross symbolic of? You see a lot of people wear the cross. You know what the cross was symbolic of? Pain. Suffering. Jesus says, when you come to me, you got to be willing to suffer for my sake. Yea, you even got to be willing to give up your own life literally for me. 
Now you listen, you say, oh, he is a radical guy. I'm just biblical. Just biblical. Nothing radical about this. This is just Christianity, what we do. It's, it's who we are. It's what the world don't want to talk about. But he says, watch this, he says, take up your cross, take up your cross. That means every single day, I got to take up my cross. This is hard, Pastor Gary. This is hard. I don't know, I don't know how to deal with this, Pastor. Well, you know, you got to take that cross, and you're going to have to suffer a little bit if you're going to live for Jesus. You're going to have to be willing to be ridiculed. You're going to have to be willing to be talked about. Okay? Little Rivers, who gave her life to, who, who's going to give her life to Jesus, she, who was dedicated to the Lord today, she is going to have to walk in this wicked. I'm, let me tell you something. The world that we live in today, it is hard to raise kids. They got so many stimuli today. They don't have half the stuff. I mean, half the stuff that they stimulate kids with today, I didn't have half that stuff when I was coming up. They got so many things to try to lure people away from God. And how many know that we all are going to have to stand firm? And say, you know what? I'm not going to turn to the left or to the right. I'm going to find out what God says in this book, and I'm going to do it. Because I know that this is the best thing for my life. It is the best life. Can you say amen to that? He says, now, to hold on to your life is to lose it. And we, we, we mentioned that. And so, you, you know, the devil tells you to do it. The devil says, well, look, wait a minute. You, you, don't need to, you don't need that church stuff. You don't need to go to church and be around those people. You know, you can just come out here and stay out here with me. You know, I got good life for you. You know, I'm going to give you stuff. I'm going to give you money. Those people over there, they're just kind of, they're just kind of weird. Why don't you just stay out here? And how many know if you look around today, it don't take a rocket science to figure out that we're some lost people. And the enemy wants you to hold on to your life. And, And Jesus says, no, here's what I want you to do. Let it go. And you're trying to hold on. No, I want to, I want to keep this relationship. No, let it go. No, I want to hold on to this drug. No, let it go. I want to hold on to this attitude. Let it go. I want to hold on to this hate. Let it go. I want to hold. Let me hold. Lord, let me hold on to a little bit. No, put it on the altar of sacrifice. Give it up for me. Let it go. Let it go. In order to to attain the best life, we got to be willing to let it go. Look at your neighbor and say, have you let it go yet? Now, look at this in, in Philippians chapter number three, and we're going to move. We're almost done. Philippians chapter number three, and I was looking at this particular verse, and I, I, I want you to. In Philippians chapter number three, verses seven through ten, look at, look at what he says here. And this is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, every time I read this particular verse, it just it baffles me because it sh- I ask, how does a person get so connected with Jesus like that. I mean, Paul was almost like, you would think the brother was crazy when you hear how he's talking here. This guy was educated. He had degrees. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. Paul said, I got it all together. He had status. But listen to what he said when he recognized coming to Christ. Listen to what he says. He says in verse number seven, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Do you hear you hear what he's saying? He said, yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of everything. Do you hear this? He says, I've suffered. I've lost everything. And you would think the brother would be crying right now. You would think he'd be like, I lost it. We lose stuff. He'd be like, oh, I lost. I had this. I had that. Oh, Lord. They they, the attitude that Paul has. Paul's, in fact, here's what Paul says. Paul says, I count them as rubbish. 
that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is of faith through Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Watch this. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul said, first of all, he says, I count all my accomplishments as loss. I don't care. He said, nothing else mattered to me more than Jesus. And you know, for every believer, that's the way it should be. That nothing else mattered to you more than your relationship with Jesus. And that ought to mean something other than just a slogan. There ought to be some demonstration in your life to show that nothing else is more important to you. You know, when you really love someone, how many of your husband, you heard your wife say, you need to show me you love me. You just can't walk up there and say, baby, at the altar, I love you. You better get a job. You better put some food on the table. Hallelujah. You better buy me some gifts. Don't come walking up here on my anniversary talking about you forgot. No, no, don't, don't, come, don't come up here on Valentine's Day talking about you got busy and it slipped your mind. Don't come walking. She's going to let you know. No, you got to show me. They used to have a song back in the day that uh, said you have to have a J-O-B if you want to be with me. I remember that song. It was wild. I was a little kid. I said, J-O-B, if you want to. What are they saying? saying? They're saying that, that, that if you really love someone, if someone is really, really important to you, you show it. You can't say, I love you, and you're skipping out on your spouse. You can't say, I love you, and you ain't taking care of your responsibility. You can't say, I love you, and I'm being mean and hateful to you. You've got to demonstrate it. And how many know for a believer, you say you're a Christian, there ought to be something there in your life to show everybody else that person loves Jesus. I don't know what kind of secret Christianity that goes on today in our culture whereby nobody nobody knows who's saved. I ain't going to say nothing to them unless they say something to me. Well, you know, if your life is speaking loud enough, they'll know. They'll know right up front what you're all about. Because why? Because you sacrificed your life for this thing. You gave everything. But Paul said an interesting thing. He says, I want to know him. Now, now I want you to bear with me for a second. Understand, the Greek word for that word know is genosko. And you know what it means? The same kind of, of knowing as a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, know each other in an intimate way. Do I need to elaborate any further? Paul says, I want to know him. I want to get as close to him as I possibly can. It was about intimacy. He was in love with Jesus. But now, but listen to what he says. He says, I want to fellowship with his sufferings. Excuse me? Paul, are you like crazy? Do you know what kind of suffering Jesus had to go through? Paul says, you know, the word fellowship means that's usually that's that's a term of kind of like hanging up, hanging out. When you fellowship with something or someone, you spend time with them, right? How many of you want to fellowship with somebody else's suffering? How many of you want to go and experience somebody else's pain? We spend the majority of our life trying to do what? Run from trouble, don't we? We don't. Paul says, I want to fellowship with your sufferings. He goes on a bit further. He says, I want to be conformed even to his death. He said, I want to die like Jesus died so that I can experience so that I can experience the same kind of resurrection power that pulled him up out of the grave. I want that. That's what I want. So he said, everything and nothing else mattered to me. I want to know him. And then we say, well, that's radical. That's Christianity. I don't believe that this was something that was, that that God just expected us somehow to just kind of, you know, if if we're going to change our world, we're going to change our generation. 
it ought to mean something when we say that we're children of God. Other than I'm a child of God. It ought to mean, there ought to be something to come along with that. They say, well, you're a Christian? Well, you know, because, you know, people, in the, people who don't know God, they, they get really spiritual on you quick when you do something wrong, don't they? I thought you were supposed to be a Christian. Why are you doing that? You know. But there is supposed to mean something. Paul said, I want to know. Paul said, I want to know. I don't, I don't want. He said, I, I'm, I'm willing to give up everything. I've given up everything. Have you, can you say this morning as a Christian that I have given up everything for him? Everything. In other words, I don't do nothing unless I check with him. I want to make sure that what I'm doing is in concert with his will. I don't do nothing. I want to know him. Can you say that you have denied yourself to the point that you have sacrificed your old nature, you've put it on the altar, and that you're living for Jesus now, and folks around you know that you're living for Jesus? Finally, lastly, put that one verse up and we're done. Colossians chapter 3, I believe, you have that? And this is how we're going to close it. And I want you to hear this. He said, now, if when you were raised with Christ or the correct uh, translation for that, if you study it in his Greek, since then you have been raised with Christ. Because Paul is talking to the church in Colossae. And he's letting them know that since you got saved, since you have come to Jesus, you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are where? Above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Watch this. Set your mind, or the King James Version, if you have that, set your affections on the things that are, uh, on the things above and not on things that are on the earth. Watch this. For you died. Look at the neighbor and said, you died. Everybody who is a believer, you first, that's, that's the thing. You died to yourself. You don't have another, you don't have any life. You know how you hear some people say sometimes, get a life. Yeah. You know, I have life. I have Jesus. That is the life. There is no other life. For you die and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So he's letting us know. So that when Christ who is our life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So he says, here's what we need to be doing. Now, we don't need to be so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. You ever met some people like that? You can't even talk to them. They're just like, woo, spinning. I'm not talking about some freaky stuff, crazy stuff. But what, 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 what Paul is telling the Colossian church, or what he's saying to us, is that, is that we need to be staying connected with God in such a way that, that I'm constantly thinking about, praying about, Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? The decision that I made, have I really prayed about it? God, is this your will for me? Is this job your will for me? Is, 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 is where I'm moving, is God, is this what you have for me? God, or do you want me to move somewhere else? In other words, I'm checking in with God because my mind is constantly up here. I'm thinking about eternity. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Now.